0: Good morning. The first lesson is from Hosea chapter 5. I will return again to my place until they acknowledge their guilt and seek my face. In their distress, they will beg my favor. Come, let us return to the Lord, for it is he who has torn and he will heal us. He has struck down and he will bind us up. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day he will raise us up, that we may live before him. Let us know, let us press on to know the Lord. His appearing is as sure as the dawn. He will come to us like the showers, like the spring rains that water the earth. What shall I do with you, O Ephraim? What shall I do with you, O Judah? Your love is like a morning cloud, like the dew that goes away early. Therefore I have honed them by the prophets, I have killed them by the words of my mouth, and my judgment goes forth as the light. For I desire steadfast love and not sacrifice, the knowledge of God rather than the burnt offerings. Here ends the reading. Psalm 50 will be read responsibly. Hear, O my people, and I will speak. O Israel, I will bear witness against you, for I am God, your God. I will take no bull calf from your stalls, nor he goats out of your pens. I know every bird in the sky, and the creatures of the fields are in my sight. Do you think I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of goats? Call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you, and you shall honor me. The second lesson is from Romans chapter 4. The promise that he would inherit the world did not come to Abraham or to his descendants through the law, but through the righteous of faith. If it is the adherents of the law who are to be of the hares, faith is null and the promise is void. For the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, neither is there violation. Hoping against hope, he believed that he would become the father of many nations, according to what he said, so numerous shall your descendants be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was already as good as dead, for he was about a hundred years old, or when he considered the bareness of Sarah's, Sarah's womb. No distrust made him waver concerning the promise of God but he grew strong in faith as he gave glory to God, being fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. Therefore, his faith was reckoned to him as righteousness. Now the words, it was reckoned to him, were not for the sake of his loan, but for also ours. It also be reckoned to us who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was handed over to death for our trespasses and was raised for our justification. Here ends the readings.
1: Please stand for the Gospel. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he got up and followed him. And as he sat at dinner in the house, many tax collectors and sinners came and were sitting with them and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to to the disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard this, Jesus said, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have come to call not the righteous, but sinners. While he was saying these things to them, suddenly a leader of the synagogue came synagogue came and knelt before him saying my daughter has just died but come and lay your hand on her and she will live. Jesus got up and followed him with his disciples. Then suddenly a woman who had been suffering from hemorrhages for 12 years came behind him and touched the fringe of his cloak for she said to herself, if I only touch his cloak, I will be made well. Jesus turned and seeing her said, take heart, daughter. Your faith has made you well. And instantly the woman was made well. When Jesus came to the leader's house and saw the flute players and the crowd making a commotion, he said to them, go away, for the girl is not dead but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But when the crowd had been put outside, he went in. He took her by the hand, and the girl got up. And the, respo- and the report of this spread throughout that district. The gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, Lord Christ. Christ. You may be seated. I'd like to invite the children to join me for a few moments up here. Come over here. We sit over here. I sit over here. I heard when I was standing out there waiting to come in, I heard your grandpa say, follow me. And I thought, hey, that's the gospel for today. <laughs> so we had a, a, a preview of that. Are you all well? How are you doing? Good. You okay? I'm better than okay I would say I have I'm better than I have a right to be in the gospel for today though we meet many different people there's Jesus his there's the disciples there are the Pharisees there's Matthew Matthew's friends the tax collectors and and other sinners and then there was the man who was the leader of the synagogue he would be like the president of our church council came to Jesus, and his daughter, who was sick. All different kinds of people. And Jesus came to them all. I have here something for you, and I'm gonna ask you, don't, don't open them yet. You wanna pass those out? See if everybody here gets one. I got these two guys covered here. Don't don't open it yet, okay? I do too. Does everybody have one? Everybody have one, okay? Again, don't open them yet. You can open them later, but I'm going to open them. And you know what's in here? I I know what's in here. M&Ms. And what color are they? Red and yellow, and blue and brown, I forgot green. Is there green ones in there? Let me see, don't open yours. You can open them later when you get to church. No, I don't have any green ones. Whoops, would you get that run away from me? And orange ones, yeah. Different, every, well, not everyone, but they're, they're different in my hand. I got one, two, three, four, five different colors in my hand, A yellow and green, yeah. Um, they're all, all different, right? What about on the inside? On the inside, they're all the same. Yeah, there, there's a sermon there, folks, but that's not where I'm going. <laughs> Jesus went to all those different kinds of people. He loved them all. From, from Matthew, the tax collector, and he was a pretty nasty dude that Matthew was. Down to the leader of the synagogue, the president of the council, to the little girl. He loved them all, including the Pharisees. He loved them all. And he came for them all. The good ones, the bad ones, and the ones that we don't know about. So Jesus comes to all of us. Well, we'll we'll leave him go. He's all right. He's one of God's creatures. I don't see him. There's it. There's a spider down there. That's all right. Let's pray. Everybody pray with me. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, For coming to all people. people, Even me. me. Amen. Amen. You can go back to your seats. And uh, yeah, go with Chris and Chris, you you can deal with the sugar high that's there. Yeah, she brought him donuts. So uh, Bob and Dad, Grandpa, Grandma, your kids are going to be wired by the time they are ready to go. We meet Matthew in the gospel for today. Matthew is called to become a disciple of Jesus. He is, as I said, a tax collector, collecting taxes for the Roman government in the city of Capernaum. That was Jesus' hometown. That's not where he grew up or where he was born, but where he where he um, adopted as an adult his hometown. Matthew was probably born in Galilee, maybe even Capernaum. a Jewish family but because he was a tax collector and tax collectors were in league with the oppressive Roman government and were known to extorting everyone they could for as much as they could they were despised by their fellow Jews although born into a Jewish family, born into the Jewish community Matthew and his fellow tax collectors are excluded from everything, anything Jewish in the community. Matthew, a tax collector, was despised. He was ostracized. He was loathed, held in contempt, reviled. You get the picture? This guy's not very popular in Capernaum. No self-respecting Jew would be seen in his company. But Jesus, a Jewish rabbi, invites himself to Matthew's house for supper. Oh, faux pas on two counts. First of all, he invited himself. I'm not sure that's a a polite thing to do, but he did. But, But more importantly... He invited himself to go and have supper with the tax collector and and the gospel tells us other sinners in the community. Jesus calls him Matthew, which means gift from God. And he welcomes Matthew into the very presence of God. Despite the despicable person he was, and he was, apparently, from all we know about tax collectors in the first century, all the evil, sinful things he had done to his countrymen, we might call him a Benedict Arnold, um, or a or Bidkin Quisling, or remember Robert Hansen, the guy who was a uh, for for over 20 years, was a spy for Russia as an FBI agent. A traitor. That's who Matthew was. But it's important for us to remember that despite who he was and despite everything he had done, Jesus invites him includes him. After a lifetime of being excluded by the Jewish community, this Jewish rabbi invites him into the very presence of God, despite what he did. It was a beautiful fall afternoon in rural Illinois, our second parish about 45, 50 years ago. But I remember it so well. Grace called. Her husband John, who who at this point was in his mid to late 80s, had recently been hospitalized with a rather serious heart issue. But he was home now, and he seemed to be improving, albeit slowly. And Grace said, John needed to see me and I sensed the urgency in her voice. And I worried that John had taken a a, a turn for the worse, and so I told her I would leave immediately. Grace in John's living room looked out on, on the fields, and in his younger days, that same field, 70 years before, John farmed them with a horse and a plow. And when I arrived, he was looking out into that field with watery eyes. Something obviously was wrong. Very wrong. We chit-chatted for a few moments, and then John asked Grace if, if he and I could be alone for a few moments, and almost as if on cue, I think they rehearsed this, she got up and she left and she went outside and was puttering around in the flowers. Now, the tears flowed freely. What's wrong, John? After a long pause, Pastor, I almost died last month. But I'm not ready. I'm afraid. I've done a terrible thing. I'm afraid. How could this man be afraid of dying? In our earlier visits, he told me how he remembers never not being in church on Sunday morning. And from the day that he was baptized in German and confirmed in German, his parents saw that he was in church every Sunday. And it was there at St. Peter Church in Glassford, Illinois, that John met Grace. Years later, they were married in that church, and their children were baptized in that church. Some of them were married in that church. He would bring his children every Sunday, just as his parents had brought him. John served on the church council. He was a trustee, a cemetery trustee. He shared with me once that he was one of the very few men who taught Sunday school. That was women's work. But John knew that those young people, especially the boys, needed a male example of faithfulness. Before his recent heart problems, he and Grace could always be seen sitting on the right side, the third pew from the back. If ever there was a picture of faithfulness, of love to our Lord and his church, it was John. After a lifetime of knowing and loving the Lord, how could John be afraid to die to to meet his Lord? Pastor, I've done a terrible thing. On a day much like today, when I was 17 years old, after the hay from that field had been brought into the barn. This neighbor girl and I, well, she and I, well, you know, Pastor. It was wrong, I knew it was wrong, but I did it anyway. I sinned. and I'm afraid. I'm afraid to die and meet the Lord. For 70 years, John carried that load of guilt. No matter he was a faithful servant of our Lord and his church, no matter that he loved the Lord and his church with his every every being, no matter that he was a dedicated father and husband, none of that could change what he did 70 years ago. And he was afraid. He had done wrong. He had sinned. He had reason to fear, to be afraid, standing alone before God. And then I reminded him he would not stand alone before the Almighty. I reminded him that our Lord would be standing next to him, beside him. I reminded him of the words that he heard many times in his 85, 90 years. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sin, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I reminded John of those words, and I reminded him of the words from St. Matthew, who truly was a gift from God, that those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. I have come to call not the righteous, but sinners. I reminded him, and he certainly did not need reminding. I reminded him, like all of us, he was a sinner. He was one who needed a physician. I reminded him that like those with whom Matthew and Jesus were eating, sinners, like them, those for whom Jesus came. And welcome them into the promise of God. I reminded him that, that precisely because of his sin, not just the sin that he committed 70 years ago on a beautiful day, but because of a lifetime of sin, that's why Jesus came, died on the cross, even for that one sin so many years ago. I reminded him that he would not stand alone. That's what the cross is all about, friends. So what? You were waiting for that, I'm sure. So what? What does that have to do with us today? Let me remind you. Let me remind you of the words we prayed early on. Take out your bulletin, please. Let's look at that confession. That made me stop and think. Let's read it together. Merciful God, we confess that we have sinned. We have hurt our community. Jesus, forgive us. Righteous God, we confess that we have sinned. We have failed to be honest. We have lacked the courage to speak.
0: In the name of Jesus, forgive us. As
1: you read those words and you think about those words, they should hurt To know how you have failed to be what God has called you to be. But don't stop there. And that was John's problem. He stopped there. Here, God is a cup of cold water when we thirst. God offers boundless grace when we fail. Receive the gift of God's mercy. We are freed and forgiven. Those words should remind you, like like St. Matthew of old and like old John, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But also remember that Jesus came to usher you into the very presence of God. Despite who you are and what you might have done in the past, Jesus came to usher you into the presence of God. And in whose presence... You will not stand alone. That's what the cross is all about. Amen.